This is part of this is part of the wheel. This is a little iron ring here. And it's got a large stone fused onto the side of it. And I'm just going to test the area around the stone, see if I can loosen the corrosion to remove it. The first thing we would need to do when we're actually dealing with archaeological objects like this, particularly where they have the remains of organic material corroded onto the surface, as part of the surface, is to investigate them under magnification and really be extremely careful what we actually remove from the surface of the object. There is a risk of dislodging the organic materials that are actually remnants of part of a composite object. And here is part of the iron tire itself. And you can see how very corroded that is. The iron always corrodes much more than what we refer to as noble or precious metals. And at the very top, we have gold. And at the very bottom, we would have the base, what we call the base metals, which would include iron. And we have a whole rank uh, of the order of... Uh, uh, the, the likelihood they are to corrode in burial. This object, it's really made of iron which is quite an unstable material. It picks up salts from the burial and can continue to corrode once it's been lifted from uh, the ground. And it's because of where it is on the electrochemical series, that's the series we're talking about of stability. This is potentially a very unstable object. Therefore, stabilisation is a method, a form of treatment that we use to try and um, render this unstable object stable by extracting the salts that are, that are the agents of deterioration. I'm holding here one of the little copper alloy rain rings and you'll see there's some white material in three zones. This is actually coral. Now when I was cleaning this I came across something extremely interesting which was on the top stud and you can see it's fractured right across the middle. We know by examining this that this little coral stud was fractured when it was being drilled. A little hole was made in the centre of the bead for the little copper pin to pass through and at that point the little coral stud fractured into two. Now this material was quite precious to the Iron Age communities and instead of just throwing this bead away they scored both sides of the break edge with a pattern uh, made with a small tool and then they used birch tar material to glue the two sides together. So they were reusing a broken object and an object that had been uh, partly damaged in antiquity as part of its manufacture. So that's a really interesting clue about um, how important this material was. The turrets would have also had an iron bar and you can see this yellow-brown here also relates to iron, but it's also the remains of leather which has absorbed the iron salts in burial. It might be easier to illustrate this with one of the nave hoops. If you think of the remains of a wooden wheel and the axle, only the vestiges of the organic materials actually survive, and that is where they are directly against the metal and it's, it's, it's preserved them. It's a sort of a form of fossilisation. We call it mineral preservation. This is the mirror from the wet wang burial. 
um, it was found near to the legs um, and the hip um, of the female buried in the grave. A hundred years ago, uh, this mirror probably would have been cleaned completely um, back to the, as much iron surface as was left. Um, however, now what conservators tend to do is they, they leave some of the surface surfaces behind. Um, these are extremely important to archaeologists. For example, my interpretation of this mirror has been transformed by the conservation of it. On the surface, there are remains of what possibly could be a bag which the mirror was contained in. The bag was probably made out of textiles or some kind of, some kind of um, clothing material. And this is interesting for a number of reasons. The first is that in other parts of the country, mirrors have also been found in bags. Now, you could think that that was to protect them, to protect the, uh, the surface from scratches. But many of them have been found with a brooch in the loop of the handle here. Now, the problem with that is that it secures the cloth around it really well, but it actually damages the mirror. Now, what I think is what I think happening is that in the Iron Age, it's a world without reflections. People can only see their image in still pools of water. So a mirror is actually a very, very powerful object because it allows you to control your own reflection. Now, I think that this covering is as much protecting the mirror as protecting people from the reflection, which is very powerful. Anything hands-on that's been done to get these to the state where they can be studied and handled falls to the conservator in the museum. But the archaeological conservation is very much a, a specialism within conservation because you're working with information, extraction of information, and working very closely in collaboration with um, both scientists on the one hand and also archaeologists and curators on the other to retrieve the maximum information out of objects that have just come up from the ground. There are only 60 mirrors found in Britain. Probably within that there are 15 burials that have been well excavated and within that there are probably only two burials that have been excavated as well as this one. So the amount of information it can tell us about Iron Age Britain, Iron Age burials and especially mirrors and their role in Iron Age Britain is phenomenal.